Hi, and welcome to The Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman. And I'm Sarah Merle. And this week, we're going to be talking about why so many women find it so difficult. Uh, We're going to talk about straight women here. Uh, find it so difficult to to get married and find long-term partners. Um, But before we dive into that topic, Sarah, what you eating and what's eating you? Okay, first of all, shout out to Angel from Heaven, Descended to Earth. Her name is Erin Eds. I have had the most wicked case of, like, dust and, like, leaf dust-induced, like, allergic bronchitis. And yesterday I posted on Facebook and I was like, hey, does anybody have a cold mist humidifier? And I was just going to point that shit right at my face. And she's like, I'll be there in 20 minutes. And I, she drops off not only the humidifier, a full gallon of distilled water and a slice of uh, breakfast casserole with fresh cut fruit. And I eat the fuck out of that for dinner. And I just want to say, Aaron Eds, uh, listen, a real one in a, in a world of, desperately in need of real ones so if you are Aaron oh you're a hero if you are appreciating my dulcet tones right now with my voice it's because I slept all night under a direct stream of coldness (laughs) Aaron you are you are doing the Lord's work here Uh, there is nothing more important than vocal quality for our podcast Uh, and I have to say when I have a when it when it's recording day and if my voice sucks it's like, oh shit, this could be so much fun, but I'm just going to be hearing the timbre of my voice and like dreading it the whole time. So you really, this, you really did a solid here. <laughs> Truly hero's work. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, okay, so for my end, um, so yesterday my wonderful, lovely honey made uh, butter chicken in an instant pot and- um. She perfected her butter chicken over the pandemic to the point where the uh, little like steam release valve smells like butter chicken. Oh! <laughs> and um, world's greatest aromatherapy, right? Uh, I mean, and she's like, it doesn't make anything else smell like butter chicken. Like, doesn't taste like butter chicken. It just it itself smells like butter chicken. So I'm just gonna leave it. Um, and all I have to say is, I it was amazing and delicious um, and only got better uh, for leftovers for lunch today. Um, But like I, she's right that the secret to butter chicken is butter. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah. Like so much. And it's so good. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry to break it to anybody who doesn't know that's how you make butter chicken, but it's butter tomatoes and some spices. Yeah. Like let's be straightforward. They are not, uh, they're not hiding the ball on the name in here. (laughs) <laughs> they're not like this is our secret like they just they just tell you <laughs> um and so all i have to say is uh sometimes you know it, it's not the hardest to make especially with an instant pot it's like you put all the things in there and you set it for 10 minutes and then it's done because instant pots are amazing um magic um but you know it doesn't have to be fancy to uh to be perfect never Almost never. Uh, my favorite, it's like my favorite thing about French cooking is like when people think of French cooking, I think of French restaurant cooking and like, mm-hmm. which is like based on cooking for royalty. But like most French cooking is like, I don't know, put some salts and lemons in the chicken, put it in the oven. Like what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Like 
I would have this like the simplest breakfast when I was in France. I would have just like a, a, a like a nice cup of hot chocolate, but it was like drinking chocolate, <sighs> you know. And then breakfast baguette, um, and uh, maybe like a little like slice of fruit or something, and Ooh. it would just be like. And I'd be eating that and drinking the hot chocolate when I watch like the mist rise off the ground. And it was just like, like, what is better than this? (laughs) Right. It's like, they have this absolutely perfect. Like you had just picked up the breakfast baguette from the boulangerie down the street, you know, like, uh, from just from the the bakery. Uh, and, um, it had just been baked and literally just out of the oven. It's like, it doesn't have to be fancy. It's just exquisite. (laughs) I think what's so funny, uh, since we, since most people actually do listen to this, partly at least for food, is that, uh, you know, Europeans love to make fun of Americans for our sort of, like, we have all the stuff that they have in Europe. It's just like, Europe has has existed long enough for people to go through the full circle of like, why don't we try like making this factory and artificial, like, wow, it's gross and expensive. Let's just go back to like, salt and oil. But like, part of that is that it's not... Um, a culture based around squeezing every penny out of every minute of every day. So, you know, that's part of it. And yet they still wind up with a high standard of living. So, you know, just saying, Uh, (laughs) it turns out that if you give all your money just to like a hundred assholes, it it, does not a great economic system. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So speaking of assholes, um, let's wheel around to our topic for today. So, there's a wonderful article in the New York Times uh, by uh, Anna Louise Sussman, who writes about gender dating and reproduction. Uh, yes. And she, she writes about a bunch of educated straight women, who some of whom are single mothers, some of whom uh, want to get married and have, uh, and have children, but they simply cannot find a, a educated men to marry or enter into relationships with or have children with. So she lists a few reasons why this, why this is happening. But first, Sarah, I'm interested in your thoughts. What have you found are the major obstacles um, to finding, uh, you know, long-term romantic uh, male partners? Oh boy. Well, as we talked about pre-show, like, one half of it is like um you got to go to enough therapy personally like if you're a woman and you've ever said the words oh i i'm breaking up with him he's too nice go to therapy just go to therapy you don't like yourself enough to let someone just be nice to you that's a big part of it yep um, but that's a separate issue so let's move on to what's wrong with the men my okay. favorite topic <laughs> um, it's a very expansive topic well i mean it's like First of all, you know, we we revert to what we know, right? And like a lot of men and women grew up in households where like dads didn't help, right? And uh-huh. uh but here's the thing is like we're not monkeys, like we can learn new behaviors. And I think um <laughs> for a long time, like I used to date this guy who was married multiple times. Boy, do I have a type. Um but he like would laugh about the fact that he didn't know how to cook for himself, like at all. Like he mm. would like make jokes about how he didn't know the difference between like a spatula and a whisk. Like if you asked him to get one or the other, he wouldn't be able to get it for you. Mm-hmm. And at the time in my twenties, like 
not being so sure of what my value in a relationship would be outside of that role, which is like a whole other thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, well, this is something that this person needs me for. Like how nice. Right. And then if I think back now to like going along the trajectory that was laid in front of me, which is like having a kid with somebody or whatever, like if I think back on that, I would be in the position that I see all the time on social media, which is what the phenomenon known as married single mothers. Um, and a Can lot you of describe that phenomenon. Yeah. That means that you are married. You have a, you have a husband, a male partner of some kind, you have kids with them and they do not do anything for you. So you feel lonely, you feel isolated. And then as far as the labor goes, you're also doing 90% of the child care labor, care labor. And this might be, with a full-time job, with an executive position, with a whatever. Yeah. And also, in my experience, I find a lot of overlap between that. These, like, very high-achieving executive women, like, kind of take up this executive role in their own home and then find out they're just exhausted 24-7. Because um, they're literally working two full-time jobs that are insanely yeah. demanding. I mean, think about it. Think about if you get married, let's say you follow the sort of Midwestern track, right? You get married at like 23, 24, right out of college, your college sweetheart, and you take up that role. And at 24, you have a fuck lot more energy than you do at 35. But now you're 10 years in, you have a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old, maybe a 5-year-old or whatever. And this person needs to be, maybe they do, oh, this is another, we'll, we'll get into this whole thing. Maybe they actually do their part of the labor, but you have to write it down on a list for them. Mm -hmm. Like uh, at every role of household and family management, these are women who are in executive roles and treating their partners, best case scenario, like a very efficient and capable employee, mm -hmm. worst case scenario, like the rich CEO's free intern son, you know, <laughs> like there, but just dead weight, just truly dead weight. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, so for all the guys out there, um, in a relationship, in a heterosexual relationship, uh, a good predictor of a sexual attraction is how much domestic labor the man does. Yep. Um, and there are a couple uh, theories behind this. I think that this, the most basic one is the most plausible, which is um, if you're not doing your fair share around the house or someone has to always tell you or remind you to do it, you've essentially put yourself in the position of a child. Thank you. Right. And like women might take care of children, but with a few very rare exceptions, they don't want to have sex with them. <laughs> Mary Kay Letourneau, we are not talking to you. Yeah, we're uh, we're gonna push that to the side. Uh, um, but but I mean, you're right, and also you that I think men are really insensitive to domestic power imbalance, and domestically, you might on paper, like as, as if you were a corporation have equal power in this relationship. But if your female partner is always managing you in some way, right? Like mm -hmm. just like a middle manager, right? Like it's kind of like nobody likes a micromanager, but also don't put yourself in a position to be micromanaged. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Don't let yourself, if you're not, if someone's not on top of you telling you what to do and you, you do nothing, like you're just demanding that someone micromanage you or else you're literally just going to sit there playing Halo all day. Also, the honey-do list must die. Yeah. The honey-do list must die because – so w when we talk about labor, um, the actual work of – when we talk about um, emotional labor, that means pretending that you feel something 
that you don't actually internally. Mm -hmm. And I find that a lot of domestic resentment takes this space. Oh my God, there's this viral video of uh, the influencer's name is Kat Stickler. Um, okay. She um, got divorced and then, or like she broke up with somebody and then immediately got knocked up by the second guy she dated and they got married and he was a terrible husband. <laughs> and there's a viral video still going around, which I hope he sees it 10 times a day, mm -hmm. uh, where she's holding the baby and it's like a year and a half old, probably. And he's making a joke about it. He's taking this video because he thinks it's funny. And he's posting it as like, haha, isn't this funny? And he goes, and she, you hear her go, oh, you, you think I could have been nicer? Here's, here's what I did today. I woke up. I got you up. I got the baby up. I changed her. I fed her. I got her dressed. I came out here. I made you breakfast. Like she just goes through all this labor that she did all morning. And she asked him to do one thing, one thing. And he said, I mean, I just think that you could have been nicer when you asked that. And she is losing it in the way that I would have snapped day goddamn one. Yeah. But like, so when this first went around, it obviously went around all the toxic male circles, right? Mm -hmm. If you go into the comments of this video of it going around now, it's like, good for her for divorcing him. Good for her. Good for, <laughs> yeah. her. Good for her. Good for her. Like, because we're not doing that no more, Matthew. We're not doing, you can ask me to do one thing a little nicer. We're not. That's why we're not getting married in a nutshell, because we do 25 things and ask you to do one thing. And you all say, not you, Matthew, but the you kind of men that we're talking to say, I just kind of feel like you could have been nicer when you asked me to do one thing. So do you remember the song More Than Words by Mr. Big? Oh, yeah. so good. Do you know the story behind that? Why yes. he wrote that song? Yes, because his girlfriend was like, listen, you just say I love you. And you think that that makes up for all the other shit that you don't do and all the other ways that you don't show up in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, she specifically yeah. asked him to take out the garbage. <laughs> and instead of taking out the garbage, he wrote this fucking song. <laughs> and very. Beautiful. Yeah. Wonderful example. And she's probably still sitting there going, I still need you to take out the garbage. <laughs> Great song. Love it. Beautiful and moving. Please take the garbage out. The garbage gets picked up tomorrow. Exactly. Exactly. And so like, guys, if uh, you ever have like a date, a night in uh, with a lady friend um, or with your wife, with your long-term partner, uh, one of the easiest ways to increase your probability of sexy times mm -hmm. is to do the dishes without her asking. Without her asking being the really operative word there. Yeah. And and also without saying like, hey, I'll do the dishes tonight, baby. Just exactly. do them. Just do them. Just do them. And Don't like. Did it. Don't say that you're going to. Just fucking do it. Guess what? Guess how we'll know. Because one of the many things that we we're worried about taking care of We'll look at it and it'll be done and it'll be like fireworks going off in our brain. Exactly. And she will go, I do, instead of having to spend my energy doing this, I can spend my energy doing you. Yes. Oh my God. So on TikTok, again, I bring zero clinical evidence to this. Merely <laughs> my, my flipping on TikTok as a 36-year-old white woman. But um, uh, there was a a challenge of men being asked like men who have a lot of sex in your long-term relationships, what are you doing? 
or women that have a lot of sex, what is your partner doing? 100 out of 100 times, my partner does actually half or more of the domestic labor without being asked, without announcing it, without expecting a blowjob, which of course, ironically makes you want to blow them a hundred times more. So I, I mean, I say this as someone who has not always, when I was younger, was not this as good at this in my, in my relationships, right. That it took me some time to grow up, Um, but grow up. I did, but like the, for the dudes out here, like the bar is subterranean for you. Oh here. my god! Oh my god! Yeah, that like in the article there is a the 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 primary reason why single mothers were not getting married, right, and didn't have partners. It wasn't about money. So all the guys who are out there is just like, if only I made more money, if only you know I had a better job or whatever. No, no, no. They pointed to things like drug and alcohol abuse, criminal <laughs> behavior, incarceration, infidelity. And domestic violence. <sighs> right? So, even when those things are an issue, things like someone who just ghosts you after four months uh, of dating, right? And, yeah. like, the women go out there, and I want to note that for you college-educated uh, men out there, there are millions more college-educated women for you to date than there yeah. are. So, like, the odds are in your favor. This is a very good Hunger Games situation. Tremendously in your favor. If, I mean, this is like also, I, I feel like we're also kind of speaking to one generation and not another. Like, I feel like this is just not something that Gen Z men struggle with. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's because like Gen Z was raised by like a lot of like elder millennials and Gen X when it's like, you know, simply not expecting the sort of quote unquote middle-class dream of having, you know, the, the indentured servitude of a wife at like your single family home or whatever. Uh Um, But just this expectation that you're going to be live on your own for a lot longer. And so like, I just find that younger men are, they don't like really flinch at the idea of learning to do your own laundry. It's like, yes, I am a person. That's correct. (laughs) I, I do need to have clean clothes and I need to eat. And along with like bathing and learning to wipe my ass. All of that is great. And I have to say like, you made just a a brilliant point earlier about therapy that the biggest deficit in qualitative uh, uh, terms that women find now is that by the time men begin dating, they are, uh, relatively, quote, limited in their ability and willingness to be fully emotionally present and available. There you go. So for all those men out there who, like, think that they, you know, that they need to, like, look smacks, that they need to, like, eat oh, only what? whey protein, <laughs> like, yeah, <sighs> like, all of that shit is, like, is just showing your ass, is just showing your whole ass. <laughs> I mean, you can like to be fit. Like, you know, we all like men who like to, I'm going to use all your words from the dating apps, take care of themselves. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. It's, it's just like, you can't, a lot of men when I was growing up were very excited because basically all they really did have to be in some ways is like rich and passively handsome. And like, that's probably enough. And they were not wrong. But now the game has changed quite a lot. And like, you know, a handsome man that doesn't offer you anything else is a himbo, which can be fun. Don't get me wrong. But like, 
that's not somebody you're going to build long-term deep partnership with. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And we're, we're, I'm, we're talking, I mean, if you just want to fuck around, great. Like this does not apply to you. Men or women, like go for it, like have fun. Don't get a disease that antibiotics can't cure. Yeah. Like Wrap have a good time. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But for those of you who are, and I think that uh, eventually most people are looking for a meaningful relationship. It doesn't have to be monogamous. It doesn't have to be marriage, but oh, wait, real quick. Can I speak on that real quick? Yeah. If you're one of these guys or a person, a person, if you're a person out there, that's just like, I'm um, just kind of a solitary creature. Um, I don't really need lo- that's um, that's a survival mechanism. You're deeply fucking traumatized and you mm. need to go to therapy first before everybody else. Like my favorite kind of guy before I went to therapy was, I don't even know if I can love guy because like, mm the ultimate emotional unavailability who just emotionally abuses you and then says like, well, baby, I told you, like, I told you, I don't know how to love. Um, You are that person or you find yourself overwhelmingly attracted to that person to therapy with you to therapy with you. It is human nature. It is instinct to seek out other people and build communities and build bonds. And if you're one of those people out there who, like, if you're one of those men and you feel that, you feel like you're having trouble building emotional connections with people, even with other men, uh, with romantic partners, and and go now. Like, don't wait until it, like, blows up your life or your marriage or something. Like, go now and get that shit done because you don't know how long that work is going to take. That, like... When I started, I started therapy after my freshman year of college, after like the worst year of my life. It remains the worst year of my life. Um, I almost, I mean, for those of you out there who are still in college and we have some listeners who are, like I almost failed out my freshman year because I had, I I was diagnosed with depression, but I wasn't in, in serious treatment. So I spent one semester basically staring at the ceiling, trying to think of reasons not to end myself. Yep. Um, which means that you're not passing your classes because all you're doing is lying in bed. Um, well, all you can do is lie in exactly, bed. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I don't – I just feel bad for that version of me because he just needed help and wasn't getting it. Um, so I started therapy then and I've basically been in therapy since then. Yeah. And as I solve – as I metabolize different issues – um, I discover new things that I need to work on. And it's not a, like a condemnation of me as some sort of fundamentally broken human being. Yeah. It's just like a facet of human existence that we will struggle. We will have things, no matter how good life is, we will have things uh, that we still feel like we can do better with or that we're struggling with. Um, and it's not some admission of weakness or, or lack of independence to like have a therapist and get professional help. Oh my God. Also like just having a therapist, like having a disinterested other than your out of, out of everything else other than your growth, they don't give a fuck about anything else. And having someone say like, Hey, why do you believe that about yourself is one of the most life-changing experiences you will ever have. And I just mean simply asking, why do you believe that? Why do you think that about some of your most destructive, deeply internalized you know, almost camouflaged uh, self-perceptions will unlock a lot of things for you. And like, if you're not a verbal person, let's say you struggle with cognitive behavioral therapy or dialectical therapy, there are somatic therapists out there. There are art therapists. There are so many approaches um, that are all clinically proven to work. Yeah. And 
as you try them, you will find the ones that speak most to you. Um, I mean, you might be someone where like psychedelic therapy is, is really great and is super useful. Um, there are people with depression who find like ketamine as, uh, extremely, uh, a useful. So you just like go out there, try it. And if it, if one approach doesn't work to say, okay, where on the list of like, uh, accredited approaches, what's the next one I can try. Yeah. Right. And you, and I promise you, no matter how intract, no matter how deep the hole is, no matter how intractable the problems may seem like not only will you find something that works, but like 92, 92% of people uh, on dating apps say that they prefer to date someone who has gone to or who is currently in therapy. And secondly, like for, for those of you who think that um, therapy is like therapy is not easy. Like it's not going to be you just go in there and dump a bunch of your problems on a stranger and they say, well, you, you're cured. Um, <laughs> it is kind of like throwing up like a bony meal, throwing up a bony fish. But think about it like that bone has been sticking into your stomach and into your insides. And like, yes, throwing up is unpleasant, but then it's out. Like then it's out and you don't have to feel that nagging, whatever it is. Like I, my, this is related to dating. It's unrelated to dating. It's related to my career, but like I kept doing the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. And until I went to therapy and my therapist was like, Oh, it's, um, it's actually this, if you, if you like pull the camera back out, it's actually this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, again, it's like Reagan and all the problems that are everything that's wrong with late stage capitalism. Like, Oh, the source is Reagan again. Like this is the Reagan <laughs> so you need to yep. Reagan of your problems and then kill it. <laughs> yeah. He's already dead. So that's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is like, you know, so one of the emotions that's the hardest to deal with, like the raid boss emotion is shame. Yeah. And shame is one of those things, those emotions that I think is often at the root of everything. Yeah. You know, and life is, I think, in my opinion, like more complicated now than it's ever been before. Like the world is just a terrifyingly yeah. complex place. Yes. And like, we need the same like emotional skills to navigate it. And a lot of men are like told like, you know, boys don't cry. They're told that they need to be stoic. So they never develop and it's not their fault. They just never develop those skills or that sensitivity to even recognize often what they're actually feeling. Oh my God. This is the story of my entire last week. And I'm not even going to get into the details, but like, being a peacekeeper and being a dutiful man mm -hmm. can be one of the most emotionally and psychologically hamstringing things. And a lot of men continue to be in toxic relationships or continue to sort of sublimate their feelings over and over again because they want to keep the peace. They want to make everyone happy. Like a lot of men in this world are people pleasers. It just shows up very differently than how people pleasing comes out in women. Mm -hmm. And instead of voicing your needs and just having them met, which might be very simple and small and like not a big deal at all. They just get more invested in this idea of themselves as like, I am stoic. I'm a man. Therefore I am stoic and I make everyone else happy. And, and you suffer greatly. And this like film of resentment builds up over time until you're so divorced from what you actually want and need, which again 
might be small as a grain of sand that you can yeah. never get to it now. And you think that you're protecting the people in your life, but you're not. Yeah. Yep. Right. Because that resentment, that bitterness will ultimately hurt them way more. Yes. Than whatever small thing you want in the moment. Ten, nine out of 10 times. Right. Like we're not going to say it's everybody, but like if you are, it's kind of like um, I always say about women who are a little bit spicy like me, like you have to be willing to make the first move if you're going to be a spicy lady because mm -hmm. the kind of man who likes you will not want to bother you or annoy you or, you know, get in your face. So like, you gotta be like, Hey, what's up? What's your dick? Like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> not, not exactly that. Uh, but, <laughs> um, you in the same way, uh, like if you're, if you're out here being a nice and actually like nice guy, like, I don't know, in some ways, like you have to, find that balance between feeling like you're getting in people's faces, which you're, if you're a nice guy, people probably really like talking to you actually. <laughs> yeah. It, it is a, it's, I actually think it's a real benefit um, that if you train yourself and you work hard on being approachable and kind to people and just making yourself available yeah. um, as a man, you will find that it is not hard to attract female attention. And this is not, not to say, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. This is not to say that all of them are like, you know, going to take you home and fuck you. <laughs> um, but it does mean that you will, one of the biggest, easiest ways uh, to prove to, uh, to people that you are safe and valuable and a good person is to have friends, particularly female friends who can validate that for other women. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like, if you're a guy and you treat the women in your life well, and women can see that it is so much easier for them to like want, like be vulnerable and enter into a, a stable relationship with you because you're vouched for. Um, also, can I put a, just a really simple tip that is surprisingly impactful, mm -hmm. which is like, if you're a guy and you're single and you're young and you're dating, you're dating women. And um, if you will, uh, menstruating age, mm -hmm. um, keeping some pads and tampons in the little cabinet under your sink is, I can't explain to you, like, it doesn't make me think like, oh, this guy's cheating on me. It makes me think like, this guy has lived with women before or like accepts women of all, like outside of the like idealized sort of, you know, Venus in the scallop shell sort of imagination of women is just like, oh, also women bleed uh, pretty regularly. And don't worry, I'm all set up for that too. Uh, other things, uh, extra toothbrush. Love it. And um, uh, having like nice conditioner. <laughs> that's a good one. I love that one. Yeah. So that's one that I had a, a one lady come over. This was several months ago and she had curlier hair. And so when she took a shower, she's just like, do you, like, I was just wondering, do you have conditioner? I need it to like get the tangles out. I'm like, I have three different types of conditioner. <laughs> um, so you can just pick the one that works for you. And, um, and like, here's a brush. You got it. <laughs> um, and just that. little things like that. Right. Um, yeah. that just show that you're thinking ahead and caring, like having lube, having condoms. Yes. On um, hand. Yeah. Can we, can we also just real quick fire off a list of like things that are signs that you're an adult? Like, sure. Um, art posters, even if it's concert posters, but framed things in frames. Yes. We love that. The, 
please not just thumbtacked or taped to the wall. Nope, no sticky gum. Yeah. Uh, matching bed set, like matching duvet, sheets, pillowcases, all that stuff, matching. Having one candle somewhere, right? Like just, it doesn't have to be anywhere. Bathroom is ideal because you're like, hey, listen, poop stinks, but we all poop, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you do need to, over the age of 30, you need to have a fully stocked kitchen. That means that you need to have... Yes. A whisk, a spatula, a wooden spoon. There are lists of this stuff that you can and find that if, And that if they come over, you should also have all the kitchen staples. Olive oil, salt, normal – like your normal set of spices, garlic, onions, all those things available uh, and yeah. ready to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, honestly, besides that and like books and like a collection of something, you know what I mean? Like there should be something that you like enough that you have like – not have a lot of them or whatever, but you know, if you're – you should just have hobbies. The point of this is like you should have hobbies and you should have, have like one that you like enough and are invested enough that it's like kind of obvious. Like I brought up the concert posters thing because I went on uh, a few dates with a guy probably a decade ago. But like he told me he described himself as like kind of a plain boring guy. But I go over to his apartment and he has all these beautiful concert posters that are like signed and framed. and He has all these records. And I was like, tell me about like your, you know. He was not a plain, boring guy because it was obvious to me as soon as I stepped foot in his apartment that he had this interest. Exactly. And like, you don't have to tell, like show, don't tell. Right. So this is a way you can show. Um, I, for example, I have a piece of the Berlin wall. Ugh, beautiful. Right. Um, which is always a conversation starter because uh, it's graffiti on one side and whitewash on the other. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a, uh, there, again, it doesn't have to be something that big, or even it can be something you don't show them, but something you can share with them. Like, uh, like my music or this podcast, <laughs> like weirdly enough, like if you want someone to really like you and if they like the sound of your voice, having a podcast or something like that, where they can hear you on demand is useful. Don't start uh, a podcast. Listen, men, no more <laughs> moratorium on it. Matt's not white. He gets a pass, but <laughs> I'm, I'm going to just veto this on its face. No if more you, white men. Yeah, Fine. if you are, if you're a white dude, straight white dude who's going to start a podcast, you better have a goddamn good reason. Like, <laughs> the dulcet better, yeah. are not that dulcet. Yeah. Uh, um, the, the point like, being, I was going to say, it's, it's being a partner, like, I always said, like, I never really wanted to settle for anybody until I felt like someone was. I mean, not to be full of myself, but like as multifaceted of a person as I am, like, and I set out in my twenties to become the most multifaceted person that I could just because it's like, I don't know, man, I only get one spin on this stupid wet blue ball in the middle of space. And so by that time, you know, it's really, for me, I'm, I'm a childless person. I decided to be childless pretty early on in my twenties. So like the, the math is quite a bit different for me than, other women but like if you're serious about having kids with somebody and you want that you like your life should be in some way sort of lining up or available to be lined up for that right and like part of that is you have your own interests you are fully entirely your own completely baked person mm -hmm. and you are ready to show up as half of a discreet team you know i i love that that you need to make your life like shaped so that that person and that relationship fits really neatly and nicely into it and can you can grow together into the sort of life that you want right 
Um, For example, if you're out, if you're living in New York right now and you're a bartender and a bar manager and you're like, I'd really like to settle down and have kids. Well, I'd like a gold toilet seat, fella. Uh, You're a bartender and you're out, you know, all hours of the night. So like that is the first thing that you have to change before you start complaining that nobody wants to settle down and get married. Are you somebody that anyone wants to marry? And that's uh, this is something I I think really fascinating is that women, particularly in their 30s, um, tend to note that there's uh, sort of like subtle discrimination against their achievement. Um, so a lot of women start removing their achievements, like their fancy job titles or their PhDs or things like that from their profiles because of like brittle men. So 100. if you want to know all the guys out there how to get the most fabulous, high-powered, beautiful, brilliant women, um, don't be a brittle man, baby. Like <laughs> revel in their awesomeness and like hype them up. I think that's, I mean, the days of when we're talking about equality and a partnership too, like I refer to this all the time as like someone who can't not be the star of their relationship. Um, And that's an ego death thing. That's a therapy thing, whatever, whatever. Like that's a narcissism thing also, but that's beside the point. But like the best kind of partner, oh, I'm going to cry talking about my parents. I'm going to cry talking about how much I love my parents right now. How sad. By the way, happy anniversary. It was their anniversary over the weekend. Oh, happy anniversary. But the thing that my parents always talk about each other that they love the most is how much the other one believes in them. Oh, it's so sweet. Like my mom, when she started, so my mom, if you don't know, started a a restaurant in Evansville called Maxine's. You can look it up. It it was, it's hugely successful. It was California French cold deli food in 1989 in, in Evansville, Indiana. It, it, there's no logical reason that it should have taken off other than my mom and her friends busted their ass on it. And my mom said, I was so scared. I was so scared. But your dad told me every day, you can do it. You can do it. I know you can do it. And they have that relationship. And I think beyond everything else, that is the singularly most important thing you can bring is always being excited and believing in your partner and giving them your full faith. It's making me cry now because I Love how much they modeled that for me. That That's amazing. I love it. Um, I also, my parents were also the same way um, that they traded off that like when they met, my dad was, you know, working in uh, advertising sales and my mom was teaching and then he decided he wanted to go to law school. Beautiful. So then while <laughs> he was in law school, she was supporting them and she's like, you can do it. Like, you know, it's, it's, it was a challenge. And then um, after he graduated and he started, you know, building his career, you know, she was rooting for him. And then when they had kids, she's like, I'd really like to stay at home and be with the kids. And he's like, great, you're going to be amazing at it. And then when she felt ready to go back and teach again, he was just like, you're going to like, you're a great teacher. Of course you can do it. Right. And just like gassing each other up, always believing in each other, no resentment about who was making what or at when, like, you're just a team. Um, And like, this is what I mean. Like, there are all these amazing people out there who are looking for partners, men and women, and like the the other people's insecurities or feelings of inferiority or like some conception of what a relationship is supposed to look like is holding them back from like 
seizing that, that that relationship with like both hands and just like loving the fuck out of this other person. Yep. Um, because like, you know, you were talking about ego death. I think at a certain point, um, you need to stop trying to measure yourself based on the life that you think you were supposed to have. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Or what other people thought you were supposed to have and instead yes. just live the life you actually want. Yeah. But, you know, you we say that, we say that, like, just eat the elephant. Just yeah. eat it. Just, like, get your fork and knife out and start a little fire and just roast it one piece of time. Just eat the fucking thing. And it's like, I get it. What we're saying is, like, just eat the elephant. It's no big deal. Right? But, like, if you want to have, I was just having this, um, I was just having this conversation with uh, a friend of mine about like most of the mediated performances, like fictional performances we see of relationships is of two deeply emotionally immature people having a relationship. Nearly all drama and all romance comes from people not saying what they feel, you know, not being able to be vulnerable or emotionally honest, right? Like all these just like telltale markers of emotional um, immaturity. We were just talking about Carrie from sex and city on the last episode about like, mm -hmm. you know, if Mr. Big in, in our, if you haven't listened to it, our last episode is all of being creepy. Like if Mr. Big was unattractive, was conventionally unattractive and middle-class, he would have a restraining order on him in mm -hmm. five seconds. Mm -hmm. um, but like, you really do have to, you can't look to anything basically you've ever seen, except for maybe the parents in easy a, uh, that's exactly who I was thinking about too. They're like the best. <laughs> they're like the best movie couple ever. The best movie couple ever. The best movie parents ever. Like, oh my gosh. You know, there's just not a lot of examples. And the ones that are beautiful examples are like kind of like comedic. You know what and I mean? As, as a child who was adopted, the joke they make about their clearly, uh, the, you know, their transracial child is just like, <laughs> oh my God, should we tell him, should we tell you that you're adopted? And they're like, oh, oh my God, right? Like that was totally my experience, right? Like I would yell to my brother, well, you're adopted. <laughs> he's like, well, if I'm adopted, you're adopted. Like, <laughs> like, and then the parent, like, and the parents just being hilarious and loving and kind yeah. to each other and communicating clearly, not only uh, to their children, but to each other. Um, I think also Morticia uh, and uh, yeah, the, in the Adams family, right. And Gomez are just another wonderful couple. The best. The best. Where you just continue to seduce each other. And um that was my dream relationship my whole life was my dream relationship. I shit you not was a combination between Jessica and Roger Rabbit and Gomez and Morticia Adams. Like I love both of those things were like this, like the most buxom of buxom beauties is just loves her silly little rabbit man. She loves him so much. And also that Gomez and Morticia, their whole thing is like in the most serious way I am deeply in love and as horny for you as I've ever been in this exact moment. <laughs> exactly. Saying it, each, it to each other like, Gomez, you were an animal last night. You were absolutely howling. Do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the key there is that you never take the other person for granted. You're always trying to uh, see what they need, what they want, and give yeah. it to them as yeah. best as you can. 
um, every single day, right? Every single day. Um, and well, you know, you're allowed to have a bad day. Everybody does, but like, you're trying, you're always trying, you always care. And like, well, I, I, I think there's, these are just wonderful. Um, these are wonderful, uh, uh, examples because like one of the, uh, they, the, the researcher here made a, uh, sort of like taxonomy of bad men. <laughs> And one was alpha males who, quote, want to be challenged by work, not by their partners. There you go. Right? Men who claim that their multiple attachments to women are all, quote, unquote, committed. <laughs> um, and, How are you? Go ahead. But those are the men who are just like, uh, you're my girlfriend, but I'm not your boyfriend. Oh, great. Oh, Is, great. That's what yes. she means. I know yeah. this one. Okay, yes. Yes. Um. The, the description here is it's a rigorous academic version of all the complaints you've ever heard from your single female friends. No. <laughs> and like, this is what I mean that, uh, that like the, there are not like being a bad partner. There's a gigantic constellation of yes. ways to be a bad partner, yep. but the ways to be a good partner are actually kind of clear and straightforward. Preach They're it. not easy. They're not easy. It takes work. Preach it. But it's not a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's to me, to me, what what kills me about this whole conversation is just like men being like, what do women want? When it's like, to me, it's as automatic as like if you turn a crank enough on a jack in the box, eventually a jack's gonna come out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like being a good partner too, like I have I love the way that my male friends model being a good partner for each other. And I think they would do that anyway, just because like, that's the kind of men that I surround myself with, you know, like uh, one of the reasons why I never dated a lot of those men is I was like, Oh, I'm not baked enough for someone who's that evolved. I'll keep them as a friend. And there's like a constellation in the sky, you know, Mm -hmm. like North star. Um, But you know, all these men modeling, good communication and like oh my god i've always said this but like one of my favorite things is going to weddings where like uh a lot of the boomer men are trying to socialize by shitting on their wives and the, all the millennial men being just silent being like i i think my wife's pretty cool like i just in fact i'm gonna leave i hate this conversation i'm gonna leave and go hang out with her she's way better exactly exactly and like <laughs> or all the all the boomer men are just like when they compliment their wife she's like she raised the kids real good <gasps> not the babysitting dads not the yeah. babysitter dads <laughs> and i'm just like um we had an amazing marriage she she raised the kids so well you know and uh and i'm just like yeah have you asked like i don't think you want to know her honest opinion about your marriage also on the flip side too like i think back on history and all the men who really would have loved to be a greater part of their kids' lives. And a lot of them did. Like, you know, there are there are plenty of like warm, loving, emotional fathers in history. You know, I don't want to address them like this monolithic voting yeah. block. But um but there are a lot of men who went to work who would have really liked to be the stay-at-home parent, who would have really enjoyed that role and cherished it and relished it. And just because of society at the time just couldn't do it. And now I think if you're one of those men, you should put that on your dating profile because a lot of women could not, could not, I could not in a million years ever be a stay-at-home parent. No, I could not be a parent generally, Mm -hmm. but like there are a lot of women who really want to have families who do not want 
that role and would rather chew their dominant hand off. But like, if you're the guy who wants to do that, like you're my friend Mark and can do that for his wife, Janelle, and you have this like beautiful marriage where you just get to enjoy life together because things get done. Mm -hmm. So some of the happiest couples I know are those exact arrangements. I had one friend from uh, two friends from college who basically in college, he's like, I'm going to be a doctor and I need some, and I want to have kids. So I need someone to take care of the kids while I do my doctor shit. He's like, Oh, that sounds awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, And another one of my friends who works, who worked in finance, who like, at first only wanted to date men who made more money than she did. And then she realized all of those guys suck. And (laughs) then she's just like, went to one of her interns who did not appear to like being in finance. And she's just like, we get along. Um, You hate this. Do you just want to raise some kids for me? He was like, Oh, thank God. how a lot of men feel and like that you know talking to god i have the i have the best male friends i think one of the other reasons why i managed to like not get legally entangled with some fucking dipshit is because i have all these male friends who um take on a lot of these roles i I think i have a disproportionate number of men who take on these roles and what what is like worth saying at the beginning too is like if you are coming from sort of traditional masculinity of any kind, which like, yeah, chances are if you were born with a dick, you're probably exiting the bounds of some kind. Like you will be an outlier, especially the younger you adopt this, you will be an outlier. And then in 10 years, baby, life is long. Give it time, give it time. Like 10 years later, you will have the dream life. You'll have an incredibly satisfied partner who is grateful for you. Like be willing to be the outlier out front because down the back stretch you will have the most joyful life if that's something that you already know that you want go for it now mm-hmm. and like i remember when i was in high school you know I, I i was dating i had a long-term girlfriend and we adored each other and so the the way i did that was like being doing fun things like you know uh and paying attention listening to her, being friends with her friends, you know, basic shit. Yeah. And, uh, and meanwhile, there, I remember there was this group of guys who were not in that situation who were like, had been doing a lot of research on pheromones. And so like, they tried to make a pheromone cologne to like try to attract women. And I just remember being like, Oh my dudes, like even like, you know, 10th grade Matt was just like, really? Just talk to him, man. Just yeah. talk to him, man. Just yeah. like, talk to them and talk to a lot of them and be invested in them and learn their hopes and dreams and see how similar they are, which is like, well, I would like to be a lawyer. I would also like to go on a walk by myself at night. So these two pretty informative on my hopes and dreams and what I imagine is possible for myself. Exactly. And don't be like, (laughs) don't go in like terrified as hell. Like you're dealing with some sort of wild animal. It's like, just also, like, women are really not mysterious. I love that. I love that. I mean, neither humans are not mysterious. Listen to me. Humans are not mysterious. Like, ask people what they want. If you want the same things, grab their hand and red rover the fuck out of life. You know? If you want people 
to share with you. Give them your attention. There you go. Like, and make it unambiguous, make it clear. And then if they're just like, I don't really want your attention, just be like, cool. All right. Great to meet you. Like, good luck. And then give your attention to someone else. If I could give one massive piece of advice is like, I've gotten hurt in love. I don't want it to sound like I'm saying like, and everything was fine. And I was always happy. Like I've been disappointed. One thing that will keep you from turning into a horrible little crunchy ball of resentment and cynicism is taking everything personally. And Mm -hmm. there should simply be no grudges in relationships where no one did anything wrong. And I mean this, the people that you go on three dates with and you're like, this ain't it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, Okay, over the weekend, I had a little snafu in my dating situation. And you know who I called? I called exclusively people who have fucked or dated me. And I was like, hey, buddy, can I run this situation by you? And they said, yeah, I'd love to help you with this because we are actually still friends Mm because there are no grudges and I do not hold it against them that -hmm. they didn't want to love me. (laughs) Most people in romantic situations, everyone will reject you but one best case scenario, you know? Yeah. So I had a similar thing where like, you know, I'm in, in a relationship now um, and I had had exited a long-term relationship from before. So I felt like it was, it was only fair and kind to let my previous partner know that I was now in a serious relationship. I didn't want her to find out through the grapevine or for someone else, or I just didn't want there to be any ambiguity or lack of clarity. And it, I knew it was, it could be a difficult conversation, but it was one I had to have. Right. Even if it was just for myself Mm -hmm. and it was really lovely. She was happy for me and shared that she had been, that she was in a relationship that was becoming uh, more serious and we just got to be happy for each other. Yeah. And that we had both like healed from um, like the, the sadness and the hurt that comes from the dissolution of any serious relationship but that we could reaffirm our care for each other and like the meaning of what we had had Mm -hmm. and our connection even still, but also be happy that we have both now healed enough to move on um, with our lives and to, and that we can just feel joy for the other finding, finding joy. Um, And like, I think a lot of times men in particular feel like they don't have uh, they feel like, well, what am I supposed to say in this conversation? <laughs> like they're like looking for like the one weird trick or like they're working for the per- <laughs> the perfect way to handle this. Like they want to life hack it. Everybody wants a life hack. Get in line, right. dog. Sorry. Uh, and a part of me is just like, sometimes you just got to accept that like, there's no perfect way to do it, but you no. just got to do it. Yeah. Um, Cause if you don't do it, like these are not things that get, that go away if you don't look at them. Um, yeah. And like, the only way you can like move forward is to actually let go. (laughs) Woo! Also, you got to let go of like a bunch of stuff. Like this is a whole thing. Like, especially if you're dating as an adult, like you are going to bring the most relationship trauma to your new relationships than someone who's dating in their 22. Now, a 22 year old also ain't got that fully baked frontal cortex. So They've got their own missing tools from the toolbox. But like, on the one hand, oh man, namaste, motherfuckers. You got to gather the lessons that you can and sort of like filter out the bitterness of it, right? Like, and just don't stay in that. Just please, God, don't stay in that forever. Like, you can be mad about your past relationships to a point, but 
at some point, whenever you don't leave there, you drag into your next thing. And I'm just like asking everybody, oh my God, as much as you can, take the lessons and leave the scary shit and the poopy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. And like, this is another thing that having strong friend networks uh, and therapy help is for to extract the pieces that are useful yeah. and then learn how to let go of the rest. Yeah. Um, because like you, you do repeat patterns. Like that is a fact, but you're probably looking at the surface pattern when there's like a whole, like way more central pattern underneath there. Right. Like, yeah. It's like, Oh, I like engineers. My thing is like, I like people who are more likely to be just emotionally unavailable enough to, to me to like really, really tickle my, my trauma pickle, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, also, I, I really, I think for people like, well, this is my type. It's just like, fuck that. Like, evaluate the person in front of you as an individual. Like, how do they make you feel? Not like, do they fit into my uh, prearranged, uh, like, conception of what they should be, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, the one thing I think this article is useful to bring up is that, like, we there are some gender dynamics to this because of the way masculinity is constructed um, yeah. in the United yeah. States, um, and it, I actually think just in the West generally. Yeah. Um, and so this doesn't apply to every man, but it applies to a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of men. And just reading the fucking dating profiles for men—that's an entire separate episode. But it's just like right. du- my, my dudes, um, you are showing the wrong parts of yourself. (laughs) Put down the fish, point the camera at something other than your car. Yeah. And if you are going to write something on your profile, actually have it reveal something about yourself. (laughs) Right. And listen, if you, um, if you're still putting IDK, just ask on your dating profile, jump off a bridge, jump off a bridge (laughs) or work hard, party hard. Like, no, Fuck you. <laughs> like, just, just fuck you. Like, that doesn't mean anything. Does that... anyone actually read these things? Yes. And you are not clever for putting that up as your bio. Yeah, e- exactly. The answer is, well, not yours anymore. Yeah, I'm done. Well, I'm done with this one. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, like, don't be afraid of uh, – don't be afraid that you, that you need to, like, over – that you need to share all of your deepest traumas. But share something meaningful to you. Like – don't be like, you know, uh, don't be like, uh, if it's going to be a deathly fear, make it something funny. Like I'm deathly afraid of clowns. Um, cause like people understand that. Yeah. Or like, Hey, I'm really involved. Uh, a friend of mine from childhood is really involved with the Ronald McDonald house. Cause she had liver, uh, tra- liver transplant as a child. Like that's interesting. That tells you about your passions. Like, you know, God, anything, it doesn't have to, and it just anything men, I'm begging you anything yeah don't be like oh like i like to hang out with uh with my bros and like drink beer like literally that is almost verbatim something i saw on one one man's dating profile i'm like "Mm, no that's just a hard no it's so hard out here to be (laughs) like so if 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 the listeners don't know i'll reiterate i am like polyamorous non-monogamous whatever you want to call it um and 
my male partners are like, dating women's great. I'm like, I'm sure it is. la dee frickin' da Look at you. Just like, oh, everyone's so well-adjusted. Everyone has something interesting to say. Like, God, make me gayer in all of your wisdom, please. And if you're a guy out there who's just like, you know, how do I make myself attractive and interesting to these women? Like, look at what they're signal- signaling to you that they're interested in. That's it. But like a lot of t- it's it's not it's not a mystery. Listen, I'm I am for the betterment of all of us. I am asking you all to masturbate furiously before <laughs> your first dates. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, this is a little off in left field. No, because some of you are so fucking horny, mm-hmm. and you're so hungry for a lady's touch that she is sitting right in front of you. And she's talking to you the whole time. She's telling you her thoughts, her dreams, her loves, her hopes, her needs, all of it. And you're so fucking horny that you're like titties, 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 titties. <laughs> and I know because I've been on this date. I've been the woman on this date many times. And the second date rolls around and I'm like, so the three times that I told you like what my favorite flower is, do you know mm-hmm. what that is? And they're like, I, I Make- know your first name, Sarah. Titties. Yeah. If you want to establish rapport with someone call back to what they said either earlier in this conversation or in the previous conversation. But again, you're, you're assuming they can hear you. Some of you are so horny. You can't hear them. (laughs) So that's what I mean. You need to come until you are empty, like back to seventh grade and then (laughs) go on that first date. I'm dead ass serious. Until you're like so dehydrated. You look like emperor Palpatine. Yeah, like your first date should maybe be at one of those like mobile IV units because you're like, well, all the fluids that I've lost. And she's going to be like, oh, did, are you a marathon runner? And you should be like, yeah. I, you could be like, well, I do marathons. Well, <laughs> 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 but seriously, like the, the easiest way to cock block yourself is – to be that guy. You are going to go through periods where for whatever reason, you can't fuck as much as you want to. Now, I'm dead serious. If you're going through a relationship where you ain't fucking anymore, break them. Break it up. It's done. You're done. This is done. Uh, but you're going to go through periods where you have less sex, uh, best case scenario. And like, if you plan to have kids with somebody, I have super bad news about the first like... It's going to be a while for a minute. And you have to make sure that you really like this person. We might have another lockdown. That's a great... Hey, can you be in the same fucking house with this person for eight weeks? Me and my baby, we knocked that right out. So we got to back, back up the truck just a little bit. Get, get, get <laughs> there Because like, boy, howdy, we were wearing each other like sophomore linebackers and wearing their helmets. Tight. It's tight on there. But like I, I think that's so mature though that you're just like okay you know we can do this but yeah. also you know for our we also need to like breathe but you're able to make that adjustment yeah but you know? hey remember restaurants and places outside of your home because I do <laughs> yeah uh, and also it's okay to schedule those things so yeah. like um, like like for for us we decided we because of our work schedules like Thursday nights date night. Like that's just the way that it's always going to work. The Thursday night, we're going to go out. We're going to do something new. going to try something fun. It doesn't have to be like, you know, something wild and crazy. 
Yeah. Right. It could be as simple as trying a rooftop bar that we've never been to before, mm-hmm. like going to like the fucking botanical gardens. I don't know, but Love like it. something. Right. Um, and like giving yourself that space and that like play in your relationship at whatever stage you are in the relationship. Like, this is the thing I, I love about both the relationships we talked about before about um, like uh, Morticia and Gomez, the parents of EZA is the playfulness. Yes. Right. Yeah. That it is serious play. It is meaningful. They're invested in it, but they're playing and they're having fun and they're yes. Anding each other. Yeah. Uh, they're uh, crucially like there is a, so I've been spending a lot of time thinking about the monogamy and the heterosexual monogamy script as it were. Right. So like at X number of months, you should know these things or have done these things or, you know, whatever it is. And I would invite everybody to just queer your relationships more because this doesn't exist in the Uh queer community. And I've always said that I just want a gay marriage to a man. And by which I mean, (laughs) I want to negotiate at every level of this relationship. I want to negotiate how much time we spend together. I want to negotiate whose house we sleep at. I want to negotiate how we split up bills, how we split up lawn care. Like mm-hmm. queer people, I love this. I love when a straight woman dates a woman and she gets this experience for the first time. And she's like, this is amazing. I get to like negotiate every step of my relationship and nothing is automatically assumed. And I'm not just like standing in the kitchen all of a sudden making dinner that I didn't agree to make with. And all of their lesbian friends are like, yep that's that's queerness these are queer relationships queer your relationships like come at them from a constant and not in a not in it doesn't always have to be like a fucking quarterly shareholders meeting but like if you want to be a modern man and you want to be successful and you want to be picked to be someone's husband or father their kids like you have to come at them as a blank person and be willing to negotiate all this stuff and dig in there dig in deep and Get all your feelings and your needs and your wants out. Tough, tough titties. If you're hoping to skate this one real smooth and easy, I'm sorry about you. But it will actually be smoother and easier in the long run. Yes, 100. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't just erupt. Up, out. You'll end up. You'll end up in lot a lot less situations where these La Brea tar pits of resentment bubble up from nowhere and end up sucking your whole house into them. It's funny because like, I was going to use a similar analogy. It was like, it doesn't come like bursting out of you, like bile and like spraying all over everything. Right. Instead you can actually like get it out before it festers and like starts bubbling and becomes the tar. Right. Um, And like, cause once you're there, baby, like you ain't coming back. Oh my God. You can't, you cannot undo the resentment. You no. cannot. I love the fact that I date. I feel like I come to relationships the most prepared for relationships, having exclusively dated very divorced men for like the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. But you end up talking to these men about their marriages and like what actually happened. Like, you know, and if you're lucky, and I have been to date men who are like, then go to therapy for like, what the fuck is my life? Who am I? And actually uncover what the source of this and it always is this little like knacker layer like making oysters of or like making pearls it's like this little knacker layer of resentment 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 and it's so big that it forces the shell open and you're like well shit now i gotta either dig it out of here and this means that the oyster is dead right and it's like 
yeah, man, that's what happens. Yeah. Taylor Tomlinson, the new uh, comedian, uh, late night host, like the only woman in wait, late night uh, now. She's also 29, which makes me feel very old. Um, <laughs> Uh, but she has a great little uh, bit where she's just like, you know, with straight women, it's like we date guys and then we hand them off to the next woman, but like better. It's like <laughs> you can't. <laughs> oh. Right. It's like, here's nice. Aiden. Yeah. He, here's Aiden. And uh, he has career ambitions now. Or like, here's Thomas <laughs> and he owns a toilet brush. <laughs> <laughs> And I just want to thank all the women who have handed me off to the next person a little bit better than I was before. Um, Because like, seriously, like I don't view any of my past relationship as failures. They did not wind up as the forever person, but they were all like resounding successes uh, in, uh, in their own ways. And like, I am not for all the people out there who just like feel like, um, they're behind or, or, or that they'll never get there. I'm just like, you just start today and like, you will learn as you go. No one comes into this. No one begins like good at this. Um, yeah. You just work at it, work at it, work at it. And sometimes you knock it out of the park and you're fucking awesome. And some days you, you just slam your face right into the concrete. <laughs> if but I you just keep going. If I may, um, if you need an exercise in this, like, grow something, grow plants, like have like a house plant, like watch it go through all of its like cycles. If you're still anxious about relationships. And I, I guess like, I know so many people who have kind of let rejection and the sense that maybe it's them really get the best of them and make them pull out of the process altogether. And I would just say like, to reiterate your point, like no relationship is wasted. Some of them are really painful lessons. Like some of them are like really boring, bad lessons with a person who's bad at sex. Uh, some of them, all of them will shape you. If you choose to like come at them with some kind of like pragmatic optimism into a better partner for the next person, if you want it to be that way, or you can keep going and doing what you're doing and saying, guess I'll die alone. And then you know what? Yeah, you will. You sure, sure will. Yeah, because, you know, definition of insanity. (laughs) And like, uh, I think, you know, I hear a lot from young men that there's like a sense of hopelessness and futility. Um, But one thing I learned, you know, before I went to law school, I worked in test prep and I taught test prep. And there was a lot of times where like improvement wasn't linear, at least in terms of your score, in terms of your outcome but the process is what mattered so like you could get a question wrong getting 30 percent of it right yeah and then next time you get it wrong but you get 50 percent of it right which is an improvement yeah right except it doesn't show up in the score but that's not what matters and like the teacher's job is to then keep you motivated and and then you go from 50 percent to 70 and then suddenly one day you go from 99 percent to 100 percent bingo your score increases you're like that was the day I made progress. Yep. But no, what you miss is yeah. all the other times you made all this progress and it didn't show up on your final score. And maybe you didn't know about it until the day it paid off. Yeah. And you don't know how long it's going to take. <laughs> right. 
So like for all of you out there who's like, I'm just going to fucking like grind. I'm going to, you know, we're focused on like getting swole and like making more money. And in two years, I'm going to have like the hottest bitches. Like you have no idea. (laughs) Right. This is stupid. This is a bad way to approach it. That's likely going to fail. 100%. Yes. Right. And also, I want to note, because at that point, you win. You're done. You have the bitches. No more growth needed. It's like, no, it doesn't end there. Yeah. Right? Um, but instead, if you approach it first, like, this is th- this is the kind of person I want to be. These are the skills I want. Um, how these are? This is what I need to do to get there. Right? And then you just embrace that it's going to take one day at a time. Yeah. And that eventually you will reach the skill thresholds where you will be able to take advantage of the opportunities that come your way. And you don't know when that's going to be. Yep. So you're just like, I just have to keep trying. I just got to keep working at it. I have to keep putting myself out there and that sometimes it's going to feel shitty and I'm going to like get rejected and it's going to hurt like fuck, but then I'm going to take a couple days, eat some ice cream, recover, and then get back out there and like, I can't tell you when it will work, but I can tell you it will work. It will work as long as you date for the purpose of connection and building and growing with someone and not for the approval of especially other men or your family or your, you know, whatever. Like your heart knows, man, your heart knows. You just have to figure out how to negotiate the actual building of a relationship. And that is tough work. And you're going to fuck it up a bunch of times and then you'll nail it and you'll be really happy. Exactly. And you won't know, you won't be able to say it. I need exactly six rodeos until I'm the rodeo master. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Hello. I'm at, I, this is in fact, my first rodeo. I was wondering if someone could tell me how many of these I can come to. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know what you do? You just keep doing the rodeos. Get back on that fucking horse, literally. Often. Well, sometimes metaphorically. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes literally, sometimes metaphorically. Uh, Sometimes wink, wink, metaphorically. Uh, (laughs) But, Sarah, um, speaking of things that have built and improved and gotten better over time, tell us about Metal Honey. Metal Honey is my silly little business that was supposed to be a jewelry casting company, if you don't know why it has that goofy-ass name. Uh, But now I sell hot honey because life had other plans. What do we know? Uh, And um, really exciting things is that um, Scorpion Honey is available now for national wholesale. Um, It is a GS1 barcode label. It has nutrition facts, allergens, all of it. So um, if you would like to see that at your local Kroger or Meyer, a fantastic thing you can do is toddle on over to the service desk and say, I would like to request a product for this store. That is often very effective um, at getting uh, products moved to those places. So appreciate you. If you want to buy some, I would love it. It's at metalhoney.com. Look for scorpion honey. And uh, yeah, metalhoney.com. Hit me up. Hell yeah. (laughs) What about you, Matt? Where can people find you and all the things you do? You can find the podcast at on Twitter at Perp Stew. Uh, please send us questions, comments. We're collecting ones for like a holiday mailbag. Um, that's going to be fun uh, for a little uh, little teaser of the kinds of 
amazing questions that the Stewies, Stewheads, whatever, have been sending in. My favorite one so far is, how much mistletoe do you need to put up for someone to fuck you? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, okay. I, oh, yeah. Let's tackle it. Let's take yeah, it. Yeah, I'm just it. saying... Y'all are asking the burning questions of our time, and I am here for it. We have a great combination of incredibly weird, incredibly horny, and incredibly funny questions uh, just waiting for us. And I am not going to share more of them with Sarah ahead of time so we get her completely raw, unfiltered reaction when we do it. But I'm going to say I can already promise that it's going to be an adventure. You know what? If I can count on all of you fucking freaks for anything, it is to get the raw and unbridled emotion out of me. So thank you for that. Gotta have an outlet for it. <laughs> so please like, subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast. It helps with the algorithm, uh, helps get the word out there. Um, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, as always, uh, I had a wonderful time, Sarah. Um, Same. This was, yeah, I mean, we, we always have an awesome time. <laughs> But this is going to do it for us this week. This has been The Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman. And I'm Sarah Merle. And until next time, stay curious. Bye.